0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
1: Just swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head. And
2: over the wall. Do you believe that?
0: And 29 other MLB clubs.
2: Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, gone. Go oh, hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise, here comes the judge.
0: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors, to spin rates, to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
3: Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live from the field, a Tuesday edition as we're getting you ready For the Athletics and the Miami Marlins, a Tuesday beautiful here at the Oakland Coliseum. A's are taking BP, getting ready for this game. And we got some great notes on uh, just how where offense is right now. It's kind of shocking. Also, a huge story in baseball that I believe is going to answer a lot of questions for fans. And a lot of these questions were out there during the offseason when we were in a lockout and the players were complaining about stuff and the owners are complaining. You're kind of like, can't we just – there's so much money out there. Why why can't we just make it happen? And also, I think it tells you a lot about the Oakland Athletics and the future of the Oakland Athletics. What does all that mean? Well, it's a tease. You have to listen, and I'm going to explain. But I think a lot of answers are going to come. You don't see it, but you're going to see it soon, and then it's going to make you go, aha. Joey Wendell, former athletic, now a Miami Marlin, is going to join us now as we get you ready for A's baseball. And last time we had him on, he was actually a, a Tampa Bay Ray was the last time he was here. And uh, great to have him on once again. How are you?
4: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How's it going?
3: Uh, great to have you back in the Bay. I think you always got a lot of love coming back and, and especially enjoying the weather.
4: I'm enjoying the weather for sure. Yeah, it's a little cooler than Miami. Um, so, yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's no joke down there.
3: I mean, I remember the one time I was doing uh, working for the Raiders and did a game with the Dolphins on the sidelines, and it was September. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like a whole different it, the the humidity it's it's like a whole different deal you do have the roof but I know haven't been at your guys stadium before left field and left center is open so do you still get a lot of that humidity inside the stadium
4: it, it's been closed most pretty much every game this year so it's been cool during the games which is nice um, but I do have I do have two active boys that like to you know to play outside during the day so I I yeah. get my my fair share of um, of Miami sun and and when I complain my my wife is six months pregnant so I I feel a little (laughs) bit guilty there um so she you know she's she's probably a little bit warmer than I am so you know you just you just suck it up and enjoy the sun
3: yeah that's basically like shut up and take the two kids go outside and play I'm miserable we have all been through that do your kids ever get to go out to the Clevelander and jump in the pool before the game
4: um not there but but they they do uh you know they do get a good bit of pool time
3: yeah, so. No doubt. So how are things going in Miami for you?
4: It's going well. It's going well. I'm, an, I'm enjoying my time here, um, enjoying the guys, enjoying the staff. You know, it's been it's been a disappointing uh, season just results wise for us. But um, but, you know, like baseball, it's about the people. And, and, you know, I enjoy coming coming into the field every day and, um, you know, just getting to be with the guys and be with the staff and, and continuing to work with these guys. And, and I really have enjoyed my first season here.
3: Well, I got to think for you, though, I mean, you know, for years, I remember when you were first here with the A's, talking about being a young player, and it's always about surviving in a, car- in a career and sticking here for a long time, and now you look up, and now you are that veteran guy.
4: Gosh, yeah. Well, well, I, I don't know that I'll ever consider myself a veteran, but I, I am certainly thankful for, gosh, every day that I've spent in this game, and um, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, right about this time of year in 2016 i got my first chance with with uh with oakland which you know i'm super thankful for and uh you know i I was able to stick in, in tampa for four years and um, you know, another year here in Miami. So, uh, so yeah, I've, it's crazy to kind of kind of look back and and track through my career. But you know, like I said, every day playing at the major league level is is a is a gift and a blessing, and I'm just you know thankful to still be here.
3: You know, you're playing for a guy who is a baseball legend, and really for for my era, growing up as a kid, Don Mattingly was the guy, right? I mean, yeah. he had. He had the posters. He's the MVP. He's Donnie Baseball. Yeah. Uh, seems – I've only interviewed him before, but when you're around him on a daily basis, he seems like one hell of a guy, old school kind of Midwest guy. Yep. How was it playing for Don Manley?
4: Yeah, I mean, you'd never know he had the, the career that he had or he was, you know, a borderline Hall of Famer, Mr. Yang. You know, you, you would never know any of that just by talking to him. He's very unassuming, very approachable, easy to talk to. And uh, he – he loves baseball. Like he, he loves baseball. He has a passion for it, and and you know you, you see that in the way that he manages, and the way that you know he's just around the guys. He, he's just he's very involved. I mean, you could sit and talk swings to him. You could sit and talk defense. You know, whatever it is, he just yeah. he he just loves to talk baseball. Um, I really enjoyed playing for him, and and uh, you know, I, I, all the other guys do as well.
3: I mean, how much do you pick his brain on hitting?
4: Well, some. Um, but but you know, I, I mean. I, I think he's, um, I think he's really good at when we ask him questions, you know, to to answer. But I think he he doesn't try to do too much in that regard. I mean, you know, he, he's the manager, and Marcus and you know, uh, Gonzo are hitting coaches. So you know, he he certainly lets them do their jobs. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I think you'd be silly to be a player for him and oh, and, yeah. and not you know pick his brain a little bit every once in a while about hitting. So
3: obviously, hitting is just not a problem for you guys actually baseball right now in the month of august everybody's down like overall slugging percentage really? run per nine mm-hmm. you guys have scored the least amount of runs since the all-star break and you have this streak of uh, four runs or less for the last 23 how do you think you get out of that and really start swinging the bat well
4: yeah well oh well, i mean we want to score runs obviously as yeah. an offense that's, that's our goal is to, to score runs and when you're not able to do that like you'd like to it's it's frustrating um but, but to be honest with you, at the, at the end of the day, our, our goal is not to score five runs in a game. It's to win the baseball game. You know, we are a complete team. We are a complete unit. And, you know, we, we have really good pitching. We have really good defense. And we're going to win a lot of, you know, low-scoring games where we might not, you know, be scoring a lot. But but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about winning games and losing games. And, and our goal is to win games, not to score 20 runs, whatever it may be. Um, but, but that being said, you know, we, we definitely – would like to be scoring more so I I think just not trying to do too much you know you hear kind of all the cliche things but but it is true when you're when you're struggling and as an individual and as a team you know it's it's just natural to kind of want to do it all in one game or one at bat and just you know put the put the big you know swing on the ball or drive the ball in the gap with bases loaded and and sometimes when you end up doing that you you know you're just you're worse than you are you know if you're just relaxed and, and trying to stay within yourself so uh, I mean, we certainly have the guys that can do it. We certainly, you know, can can score more than four four runs in a game. For you know, uh, we could we could do it at any any time, any night. Um, but you know, it's been it's been a rough stretch. There are guys that are struggling. I've been struggling. You know, we and uh, you know just just keep coming to the field, going, getting to work, and, and getting after it every day.
3: Well, I will tell you what, you mentioned your pitching. You got some crazy arms. I mean, Sandy yep. Alcantara is arguably the best in baseball. Mm-hmm. The kid going last night, Cabrera. Yeah, I mean, you're talking throwing 98, and he's got a changeup that's 92 miles an hour.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: What's it like playing behind these guys?
4: Yeah, it's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, c- coming into this organization, you know, you knew of Sandy, Pablo, Trevor, Lizardo, but but seeing the depth, and I mean, the guys that you know that are being brought up from AAA, the guys who are. You know, getting a chance for the first time, it's like, oh my goodness! Like we just, you know, it's it's really fun to see. It's encouraging, and I'm glad that I don't have to face these guys.
3: (laughs) And how is Jesus Lizardo doing?
4: Oh, he's another
3: former A. He's
4: he's doing great. He's doing great. I have to keep him in line every once in a while, but but other than that, he's doing pretty good.
3: Yeah, he was like, I get to go back home, and that you know, it is special to go back home. Not most guys don't get to play where they grew up. I mean, there's a lot of ticket requests, and there can be a lot of things with that, but it's also special that. You know, when you grow up on the East Coast and you're playing out west, family doesn't always get to stay up that late. So it's special to be able to play at home.
4: Yeah, I, I think he's uh, I think he's enjoying it, and he's he's done a really good job. Had, you know, had an injury that kept him out for some time, but he you know he came back, hasn't missed a beat.
3: We hear you got a ton of talent, ton of young talent that's coming. I'm sure you saw it in spring training. We're seeing some of it on the mound. If you have pitching the way you guys do. How far away do you think you are be, to be able to say, yeah, we can compete with the Braves, we can compete with the Mets, we can compete with the Phillies?
4: Yeah, I mean, not not very far at all. I mean, it, you know, I, our goal this season was to come out and play competitive baseball, make the playoffs, and, you know, I think if, if we do that and, you know, we, with our pitching staff, that we're, we're in every game, we're in every series, and I don't, I don't think we're very far at all from that. I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, we've had some, some – underperformance on the offensive side and you know I think with the pitching that we have we're not far at all from that and I think you, you kind of see have seen that in spurts throughout the year and um, you know we, we've where we've gone on to play some really good games some really good series where you, where you get a little taste of you know how we can play and um, you know, so no, it doesn't seem like we're, like we're very far at all.
3: Because your division's no joke.
4: hmm It's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of good players. Yep.
3: <laughs> I mean, you look at the Atlanta Braves; are doing it mm-hmm. again. You know, kind of not not the start they want. Here they are hot. And you think about the Mets and uh, Phillies are coming on, so yep. it's it's not yep. going to be easy. No,
4: no, it certainly won't. But uh, yeah, like I said, I mean with the way that we can throw the ball and you know and can prevent runs from getting on the you know on the board then it feels like we're in every game it feels like we're in every game at some point
3: has much changed since the last time you're here
4: uh i mean uh the players um <laughs> 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 uh, but but no other than that not too much not too much
3: yeah we're talking to kurt suzuki we'll end on this he was always yeah. like you know i came up here playing for the A's. you came up here so there's always like a a special thing in your heart for this place sure, is it where it's all started
4: of course yeah I, I mean um, that's where I got my first opportunity to play in the major leagues um, so it, it'll always hold a special place in my heart and and um, you know and, and the guys as well the guys that you play with that you come up with you play in triple-a with that you make your debut with I mean that's that's special stuff and um, you know I'm still in, in touch and contact with a lot of those guys and uh, it's been really good to come back here and catch up with a couple of them and, and staff as well. You know, I mean, I have a lot of great memories from, from being in this organization and um, you know, a lot of great people that treated me really well in my time here.
3: Well, always we root for all the guys that wore the green and gold. Thank you for your time. Good luck the rest of the series and good luck the rest of the year.
4: Thank you. Appreciate it.
3: Joey Winter right here on A's Cast Live. We have more coming up next. And that tease I told you about how the Angels sale is going to change everything, we'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live.
2: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest
0: Streaming from the East Bay, oh. Azecast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
3: Oh, the breeze is so nice. Sunscreen today. Forgot the sunscreen yesterday and paid for it. Ken Korak and Vince Catronia made such a great point last night on the broadcast of why Northern California is the ultimate spot to grow grapes for wine it's hot during the day cool at night well i'll tell you like literally in 35 40 minutes and we notice this once we hit late august is that the sun will be we won't be able to see the sun from where we are next to the a's dugout now when we're here really you think about i am thinking about april but really june and july We see the sun the entire time. By the end of this show, we'll be in the shadows. Well, happened yesterday. And you think about, okay, think about football season, right? When the Raiders were here and you're kicking off at 115 on CBS, yeah. This this was the end zone, right? You think about where the dugouts were? Teams would come out. This was the end zone. So it would all be covered in in the shadows by the time mid I mean God by what halftime or so so you're kind of seeing how weird the sun is going down faster right we're now in August but I'm talking about we start getting into September and October sun would already be passed down the stadium at that point so I can't
5: wait for it not to be hot out here again You're ready ready for fall? Uh, I love the fall. I mean, fall in Pennsylvania is way different than fall out here. No, the leaves turn. The leaves turn, then snow comes and I mean, late October anymore. Uh, But I don't have to worry about that here. This will be my 10th year here, too. So I don't know what snow is anymore unless I go to
3: Tahoe. All right. You sent me the Jeff Passan put out there that Artie Moreno is looking to potentially sell the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Disney, whatever the hell their name is now. And then immediately, the Angels turned around and put out a press release that said, yeah, we may be thinking about it. Which, I don't know how often you see that when you want to sell a team. Where you put out the... We may sell press release. Use use either put out the, we're selling, or you put out that, we're not selling. They put out, and I'm not going to read it, but the Angels put out the, we may be selling. I thought that was interesting. And to me, so I texted you, what does it mean to you? Go ahead. Say what it means to you, what you thought originally. Don't change it.
5: Uh, no, it said, what is, I mean, it means... Otani could be gone, Trout could be gone, and we'll come in a new
3: ballpark. Okay, that's all true. And then I went, oh, it's much bigger than that. When's the last time we had a baseball team sell? Marlins. You're having a team that has one of the largest television contracts in professional sports. Remember, their contract is huge. Um, Their ballet sports West? they signed it with Fox Sports back in the day yeah now it's Bally That's Sports. when they before the Time Warner deal and I know no one cares about exactly <laughs> Time Warner Bally Fox but at one point Artie Moreno was able to say to Fox Sports we want the same deal as the Dodgers remember the Dodgers weren't winning Frank McCourt Angels were winning he got a mega deal And then the Dodgers would end up getting a bigger deal by going to Time Warner, and that's a whole other mess that they had for a long time in Southern California. But you're looking at a team in Southern California. Oh, you know, the the Mets. The Mets sold. Oh, yeah, they they were
5: the most recent, yeah. Will Ponds to Cohen. What what, what did they sell for? Uh, Let me look it up. I mean, it was a couple billion.
3: No, no doubt. But what this is going to show is we just went through a lockout? Two point four billion. That's it. Yeah. The Mets went for two point four billion. Yeah. No. Steve way. Cullen
5: completes two point four billion dollar purchase of New York Mets. Oh, First this thing, is gonna
3: blow that. This that.
5: Pff. I mean, they're va- they're valued at two point two and yeah, four. Yeah, this is gonna blow that
3: away. Hard to believe in New York, but then again, uh, Southern California is massive. Yeah, Queens
5: is a little different than uh, than uh, what, what do Orange we call County. Orange County, yeah.
3: So I'm just telling you this. You just had a lockout where the players are saying, Your pie keeps getting bigger, baseball, and less and less of that pie every year. So if you think of a pie, less and less of that pie, our piece of the pie keeps going down. Salaries are going down. How's this possible? And baseball made up all these excuse. Ah, I mean, you know, it's a shell game, right? Well, I'm not so sure. Lockout, well, you know, COVID, we didn't make as much money. You know, where's the money? Which shell is it under? A lot of people have said about our own owner, John Fisher. It's like, are you kidding me? Why is why is nobody selling? You are going to now see the true business of baseball here. You're going to see Artie Moreno who's on the team for God knows how many years, 20-something years?
5: Uh, 2003. But he bought the team in 2003 for $184 million. The year after they won the World Series, he bought the team.
3: So, this guy bought the team for $184 It was a lot of money. He's now valued by Forbes at $2.2 Ninth most valuable in Major League Baseball. If we learn from the Clipper deal in Los Angeles, the Clippers, I don't even know what they were worth. They went for, to Steve Ballmer from Microsoft fame for over $2 billion. They owned nothing. The Clippers owned nothing. They had a dumpy practice facility. They were third in line in their own arena at the Staples Center because the, the, the Lakers and the Kings had priority over them. They had nothing. <laughs> they're third in line in their own arena. Now they're going to build their own arena. But Steve Ballmer bought them for over 2000000000 billion. You've got the Angels that are worth $2.2 billion according to Forbes. It always goes way over. I bet you this sale will go close to $4 billion. I totally see it. $4 billion for the Angels, which they didn't screw up their territorial rights like the A's did with the Giants. Artie Moreno at one point threatened to move a couple miles from Dodger Stadium, and he could, and there's nothing the Dodgers could do about it. They couldn't Larry Bear the Giants uh, and go against the A's in San Jose. They can't do that. They have equal territorial rights, the same way Cubs... White Sox, Yankees, Mets, equal territorial rights. A's, Giants, not equal territorial rights. Giants territory in the Bay Area with the A's is supposed to be equal. Now, not even close. It's not even, if you just look at the geography and the counties and everything, it's not even close. It's ridiculous. So, Artie Moreno is going to sell this thing, and it's going to tell you. Look at the, what will the A's go for? Like, if you sit, if I own the A's, and Artie Moreno sells this anywhere between three point six and $4 billion. That's a lot of money. My franchise, whoop, went up, baby. We just went up in value like you wouldn't believe. The A's will be worth on the market. Forbes will still say, oh, the A's are worth $1.4 billion or $1.2. You'll be able to get over $2 billion dollars for the A's in a stadium that was built in 1966 destroyed by Mount Davis it cannot be restructured the piping everything this place needs to be blown up now they're not going to completely blow it up they want to keep the field build at Howard Terminal, keep the field have some stands around it play high school junior college games honor all the greats that played on this field yada 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 but the actual franchise will be worth 2 billion dollars. So you wonder why no one's selling the A's and why you hold on to the A's and why you want to get Howard Terminal. Why it's because it's major major business. It's not that long ago these franchises went for under 200 million. They're now worth billions of dollars, not 1 billion billions of dollars. The game has changed. And now it's not uh nah, it's nice to have sweets that are sold. Yes, it's not nice to have three million people, blah 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 blah. But now the tech industry has gotten into it. Who are the fastest, who are the fastest growing, strongest corporations in the world? They're tech companies. And they've got so much money and they just grow and grow and grow. And now they have these platforms, whether it is peacock or whether it is Hulu, or it's Apple TV. Amazon now, too. They need programming. They need programming. They need live programming, because what happens is you come out with a Narcos or a Ted Lasso, whatever, and everybody binge-watches it, and then what else are they going to watch next? They can't keep up. They can have these great series, and they can win awards, but they can't keep up with the amount of programming that they need. Because people want it. They need it. And they binge watch all these. And they binge, you know, it could be like Boardwalk. What was it? Boardwalk? Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Well, someone will binge watch it and they'll watch it. You know, the, the How many series, is, how many years was it?
5: I never watched it, but I'm more than, it's more, I think it was like heavy, at least like four or five.
3: Yeah, well, someone will watch it in two weeks and they go, what's next? Well, you start running out of stuff. They need live programming. Who's got the most live programming in sports? That's available two, that's the other thing, because the NFL, not available. And that's only, you know, that's what, 17 games. That's it, some preseason games. NBA's locked up. What's available right now? Who's got the most games? It's baseball.
5: Five seasons for Boardwalk Empire, by the way. Thank you for that. I know, it it was driving me crazy. So,
3: Apple, Peacock, which is NBC, whoever is the parent company for NBC, I don't know who it is. But you got, it's these big conglomerates and tech companies that are coming in now. And for the, here's a great example of what we're talking about. An Apple TV game, which could easily be a Netflix game, which could easily be a Hulu game, Amazon, they're not producing it. They're just going to put it on their platform. They're going to MLB Network, and they're saying to MLB Network, we're going to pay you to put the game on. And instead of the game being on MLB Network, your people are going to produce it and put it on for our platform. Apple TV pays MLB Network for the game. That's what happens. That's why it's MLB Network talent. That's why everything looks like MLB Network. So Apple TV will air their game. We've had one. I can't remember which game was that that we had Apple TV. Uh, we were playing the Rangers. I don't remember.
5: remember. I remember Steven Nelson was on the call with Hunter Pence.
3: Yeah. So they paid Apple TV. They paid Apple TV. Well, Apple TV paid MLB network and they put it on. Now, same thing. Amazon will do the same thing. They'll just write a check how much to put it on. And now boom, they'll have major league baseball. And. A sale of the Angels is truly showing you how much money is out there in Major League Baseball. Shea Leaders doesn't care about that; he cares about <laughs> winning the game tonight. It is great to finally have you on A's Cast Live. We have actually met when I was doing hosting uh, A's pregame live on NBC California. You were on your way to the Futures game, and we had you on. You're playing. I don't. Were you in Las Vegas at the time, or where were you?
6: Yeah, I was in Las Vegas.
3: And little did we know you were going to be the MVP of the Futures game. (laughs) That was pretty amazing for you. How was that?
6: Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun, you know, just to uh, be able to play at Dodger Stadium. Um, Had a good time out in LA. Uh, Met a bunch of good dudes. And uh, you know, it was fun playing in in front of that big crowd that was out there.
3: Yeah, and then to think that we knew at some point you were going to come up. I mean, how tough is that? You're playing so well in Vegas. You're so eager to get up to the big leagues you know you know you have to be patient but it's easy to preach patience how tough was it to be patient um you know it's just uh
6: i think especially in baseball just as hard as this game is all you just try to focus on what you can control and uh obviously um every day my job is to get better and um you know just go out and try to win a baseball game whether it was in vegas and now in oakland so um you know i just try to control what i can control and come out every day and try to get better and try to win a baseball game
3: could we put a better scenario in front of you than making your debut (laughs) in texas in arlington you grew up not too far away i mean that was like you could write a better script yeah it was uh
6: you know it was awesome it was a great experience um all my family all my friends were able to come out and uh it was just a, you know, a special moment, a special three days for me, and um, you know, I'm very thankful for it.
3: All right, take us through that first A.B., because here <laughs> it is. We, you know, we've been waiting for you, right? We, the A's fan base, we've been talking about you uh, ever since the trade for Matt Olson. We heard that, oh my God, this kid Baylor, he can hit, he can run, he's a great catch. So we've been waiting. We finally get to see it, and you go up there for your first at bat. And you swing at the first pitch you ever see?
6: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was uh honestly I was pretty nervous, um, but I thought you know just best way to get it out of the way is get that first swing out of the way. So if it was if it was remotely close to the zone, I think I was hacking almost regardless. And um, thankfully I got a pitch I could handle and got the barrel to it.
3: All right, you rip it down the left field line, then all of a sudden you know we don't see you come out of the box. We just kind of see there's like an awkward kind of stumble. <laughs> What were you thinking? <laughs>
6: um, so I was, I was running down the first, and I'm watching it, and it just, for some reason, I thought it was going foul. So I kind of I kind of yeah. just shut it down for a second, and I looked at the third-base umpire, and he's pointing fair. And I was just like, oh, oh, I better get going then because the throw's already coming in. And, uh, you know, it just kind of um, first A-B, first swing in the big leagues and kind of hit panic mode, and I thought it was foul. <laughs> so... <laughs> It was, uh, it was a little crazy. <laughs>
3: I could just see it like, should I go, should I not go? <laughs> yeah. Last thing you want to do is get a base hit and it, then get thrown out.
6: Exactly, yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, what a moment. But that that series, what did that – I know what it told for me, seeing you – I mean, I remember you ripped the ball your first day at bat the next game to third baseman, uh, and then you're going Apo taco for the home run. It showed me how comfortable you got, but what did it tell you that first series against the Rangers?
6: Um, yeah, I think the big thing was just getting comfortable. But, um, you know, when I started uh, putting good swings on balls and hitting balls hard, it, you know, it's just that extra confidence that you get from that. And, um, you know, that kind of carries over to the next day and the next day after that, and you just build off that confidence and you get more and more comfortable in the box.
3: Well, you, you definitely look comfortable. And then how would you feel coming here to Oakland? Because this is the first time you got to see the Coliseum.
6: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I felt good. I think, um, you know, like I said, it's just getting comfortable and uh, sticking to my approach at the plate. Um, try to dial down the, the swings that pitches out of
3: the zone. But, I mean, other than that, it's just all about focus and sticking to my approach. We did a deep dive on you. We went back to Steve Rodriguez, your old head coach. I played against him in college when he was at Pepperdine, of course, and he was the head coach of Pepperdine, had yeah. you at Baylor. And so we had him on, and I kept saying, all right, tell me can play something of the catcher. Because right <laughs> now, I mean – Hell, I'll put you at shortstop. <laughs> where can where? If I had to say to you tonight, and I'm grilling Katsai on this, but Katsai on this all the time. If I had to say to you tonight, you're not catching, you're not DHing. Where would you feel most comfortable out on the diamond?
6: Um, probably either uh, first or first or third base, or maybe one of the corner outfield spots. Um, I played a little bit of first base in college. And then uh, at the alt site in 2020, we are just trying to fill spots when we were inter-squad, and I played a little bit of right, a little bit of left, and third and first. So, I guess one of those positions.
3: Well, I think about third, with your arm, you just got to knock it down and throw the guy out of first, right? <laughs> and you know how to block balls. Yeah. I mean,
6: it's, it's the hot corner, so it's mainly just reactions. So, if I can keep it in front of me and get the throw off.
3: Fran Reardon, your, your manager down in Vegas, when we had him on and we were talking about all the guys down there, he mentioned about you. He said, watch out, he's fast. <laughs> StatCast says he's fast. We got to see it on the triple. Did you know you broke our uh, our triple streak?
6: Yeah, they told me about it after.
3: 81 straight games we went <laughs> without a triple until you got the triple. Uh, tell us how speed is a big part of your game.
6: Yeah, I think um – Going into this year, one of my goals was to get get around like 10 bags in, in AAA. Obviously, I didn't get to that, but um, I think that's just one of one of my underutilized tools is uh, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a burner, but I, I can run a little bit, and, um, you know, as a catcher, uh, pitchers kind of just, you know, take you for granted on yeah. the base path, so if you could take advantage of that and, uh, you know, pick your spot and be able to take an extra base, you know, it's better to do it than to just shut it down and stay it.
3: You're right as a weapon because, you know, most people you see, oh, he's playing catcher. Yeah, because you can run. I mean, we're not saying you're like, you know, a 40-yard dash <laughs> and we're going to put you in the NFL combine, but, yeah, you you can run a little bit.
6: Yeah, I think, yeah, just just like I said, it's just, um, you know, always looking for that opportunity uh, within within reason to take that extra base and, you know, just give your team that advantage to get an extra run across on the board.
3: What's the big league moment where you just go, wow, I'm here?
6: Um. Uh, probably just that that first day um, when uh, they announced my name on the on the lineup in Texas, and I heard all my family, all my friends start screaming. Just yeah. kind of looked around across the stadium. It's just like, wow, this is really cool. You know, there's uh, they always talk about the extra deck and all that type of stuff. And you just kind of look around the stadium and take it all in. And it was just, it was a cool moment.
3: Well, if you think about it, most guys on the road who make their de- debut, the, the the home crowd goes. Oh, I don't know who the <laughs> hell this guy is. And you got your own section. Yeah. That's awesome.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, it was just, you know, I'm thankful. I grew up like 20, 25 minutes from there, so it was pretty easy drive for family and friends. And uh, a bunch of my friends down in Waco from Baylor came up just because it's not too far of a drive. And like you said, I kind of had my own little fan section for those, those couple days.
3: And when you look at what you got support-wise here now, to have a guy, a two-time all-star like Stephen Boat, mm-hmm. to have – Sean Murphy. How have they helped you since you've been here?
6: Well, I mean, um, it's unbelievable. You know, I'm, I'm very blessed to have those guys around. It's just it, I can ask them anything or, or about anything and everything. You know, it's just uh, whenever they talk, I'm, I'm just like a sponge. I'm trying to take everything in and, um, you know, learn from them. I'll watch everything that they do, how they prepare, how they work with pitchers, just stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's just uh, to have two guys like that around you at all times, is you, you're really lucky to have that.
3: You know, it's so different catching now. You know, uh, Ray Fossey, our, our legendary broadcaster player, won two World Series with the A's who passed away. Uh, we talk about how in the World Series they'd have three relievers. You now have a whole boatload of guys. So you had to learn all those guys in Vegas. Now you got to learn all the guys up here. What's that like as a catcher having to learn so many guys, what makes them tick, what they like to do under pressure? How tough is that?
6: Um, You know, it's... Uh, if the first the first time you catch them's them is in a game, it, it could be pretty tough. But um, you know, as soon as I got up here, I try to get out for pitcher stretch uh, as much as I can. Um, just talk to them about their their pitch arsenal. Like you said, learn about their personalities, what they like to do, stuff like that. And once you get to know the guys, you get that comfort level, and then it just makes the game. You know, you get into that flow state that much easier.
3: You know, one of the reasons why I asked you about playing a, another position is, DHing there's it's an art form, and usually. D.H.'s were guys that were older guys who knew they couldn't play defense anymore, but they could still swing it and they mm-hmm. want to still play. Young guys are not really D.H.'s. You want to play defense, and I think that's better for your offense. But since we know you're going to D.H. least a lot down the stretch here, mm-hmm. have you developed a routine yet? Because there's a lot that goes on between every at-bat. Like, yeah. what What do you do?
6: Um, honestly, I think when I'm dh and the, the catcher in me comes out a little bit, it's uh, it's hard for me to check out of the game and just, you know, relax in between at-bats. So um, when we're on defense, I'm kind of locked into what, you know, what Murph's doing out there, uh, just the situation. I'm watching uh, Ausmus, uh with the game, the running game signs and, um, you know, just trying to pay attention to all that so that when I do catch, it's just, you know, I'm on top of it and it's that much easier when I get out there.
3: Yeah, the more you think about it, how long Osmus played, you got, you got a bazillion catchers around here to yeah. help you. Yeah, I mean
6: I'm I'm lucky. It's just you can ask those guys anything and they got the answer.
3: Hey, I've heard crazy stories about DH and like guys would take showers every tw- in between. <laughs> I've heard about a guy going to sauna. Yeah. I mean, because you got to keep your mind because there could be an hour yeah. between your at-bat, you know, what are you doing? So there's mm-hmm. something, you know, whether you're hitting balls in the cage or hitting off a tee or riding a bike, just keep the blood flowing. It's it's interesting how people develop different routines.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure you got to stay loose. But for me, it's just I think it helps me just to keep my brain going, to stay locked into the game and, you know, like I said, let that catcher come out a little bit and just kind of um, – mentally run through situations and pitch calling and the running game signs and all that stuff
3: well let me tell you this this fan base is juice to have you here we've been waiting it's been wonderful to watch you it's good to get to know you i hope you and i do a lot of these interviews over the years we'll yeah. talk to you again later in the season spring training but just know this i mean it's got to feel good that there's a whole fan base that's just been waiting to see you
6: yeah i mean i'm super happy to be here i'm Uh, You know, just ready to get after it and ready to try to win some baseball games.
3: The future of the Oakland A's right here. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live.
0: A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
3: Is that the Hall of Famer? It does look like Ricky. The great Ricky Henderson. I met Ricky a couple weeks ago. Oh, I mean, you i mean, you and Ricky at the Hall of Fame party were like two peas yeah. in a pod. It looked like we were best friends. Oh, you know who he's strutting around with? Uh, is that the
5: great Donnie baseball?
3: Don Mattingly and Ricky Henderson. How about that? Of course, Yankee teammates in the 80s. How about that? How cool is that? That's one of the things. Hey, forget me. No one cares about me. Let's turn it over here. You got Ricky Henderson. Can you zoom in on that? No. Don Manley's talking to uh, Ricky's wife. How about that? Can you see that? I can't see it. Can you see it?
5: Uh, kinda. But, I mean, it's hard to zoom in that far.
3: By the way, uh, Marlins normally would be out here for batting practice at this time, and nothing, uh, nothing has happened. I guess the view wasn't as great as I thought. But here are the Marlins that are – this is what the Marlins are doing right now. Shouldn't they be in BP? They're Should, stretching right now.
5: They might still do BP.
3: Shouldn't a team that scored four runs or less in 23 straight games – and by the way, have I given this stat yet? I know I did it for NBC. Lowest runs scored since the All-Star break, 76, and no one's even close as, as bad. There's, I, a,
5: there's another. There's Kim Ng too. Everyone's out right now.
3: Like you think of you think of how bad the A's offense has been. Not sugarcoating it. The Marlins, seventy six runs since the All Star break. They are by far the lowest. No one's even close. I mean, they have really re- So it's like you score a couple runs, and it's uh it's game over. They're what they're pitching.
5: The Marlins should. Be, I mean, their offense is. Um, <laughs> I mean, Joey Wendell's been in cleanup tonight. No offense to PSAC legend Joey Wendell, but, I mean, their offense is just struggling. And I, it was on the game notes that I brought up to you earlier about how bad the offense has been around baseball. There was, what, nine games last night, and there were 38 total runs scored?
3: We should yell at Ricky and get Ricky over here. Uh, he's in the middle but of a conversation. I know, he's it's, with it's, Don it's, baseball. It's a great
5: Deetra Page over there. If she is, I can text Deetra.
3: Yeah, say, get Ricky to come over here.
5: When's the last time we talked to Ricky?
3: Other than the Hall of Fame other party.
5: Than me, other than me having a powwow with him a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think the 1989 reunion in 2019.
3: I always love talking to him. Like, I got to talk to him a little bit at the uh, Hall of Fame party. Ricky is just – I mean, he he's Ricky Henderson, for God's sakes. And, you know, a lot of people need to understand. He is so approachable. I can't tell you how many times – I would see Ricky at Raider games, and where I would do the post game show, I would have to walk through what, wh- which was then the West Side Club, down the right field line to get to where we would do the post game show. So I'd have to walk through just hammered Raider fans. I mean, it's it <laughs> towards the end of the game, Ricky'd be up hanging out with people. He's a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, but he's a Raider fan, and he's hanging out with Raider fans. And I was, I would, I would always be like, what's up, Rick, as I was walking by. I mean, Ricky Henderson is a man of the people, and I remember, too. Um, I, was, I screwed up the camera. Sorry, yeah,
5: Cody. It's, it's okay. Uh, people are here to see you, not me.
3: I uh, First time I ever asked him, I was I was so nervous. It was early in my career. I don't know how early in my career, but I was doing weekends on KMBR at the time. Uh, early. Early. And, uh, you on the
5: weekends? I don't know.
3: Yeah, it was early. And uh, I was doing the Giants pregame show. Yeah, definitely a long time ago. And, yeah, <laughs> they were thrilled about that. They loved me doing it. Um, and Ricky was a Met. Oh, one of the nine.
5: I, I mean, when I saw him at the Hall of Fame, I said, Ricky, we did a whole thing on you, plus you playing for nine teams. He started laughing.
3: Yeah, he always funny. laughs. He's <laughs> what, was, what, was that,
5: what was that team at Long
3: Beach called? The Surf Dogs.
5: Yeah,
3: I think that's what. <laughs> I think they the, the Long Beach Surf Dogs. Don't don't quote me on that. All anyway, you're talking telling us, sorry, so, as a story about. So this is Met. this is how long ago is this? This is Candlestick Park. This is like ninety nine two thousand ish. I want to say. Let, was, let me. You know what? I'll bring up Ricky here on the old iPad. This is not Ricky Anderson, hitting coach of the of the Mets. Uh, Dietra said she's going to check and see if Rick can do a few minutes. See. What year was this? This would have been, yeah, ninety nine. So this is ninety nine, and I'm not even married yet. This is a long time ago, and I go down and I see Ricky Henderson, and he just got up from playing cards, because if if you know anything about Ricky Henderson, he is a shark at cards. And I go up, and I'm thinking he just don't big league me because I hated when the guys you loved growing up, you're scared to ask them for an interview because you're scared they're gonna big league you. Yeah. And if they big league you and they're jerks, you're like it, it's 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 miserable, right? It ruins it for you. So I go up, and why am I doing that wrong? So I go well, up.
5: Okay. I was like, where are you trying to turn it towards?
3: Well, I'm trying to make us more in the center here. So I I, I uh. I go up to Ricky, and I'm like, hey, Ricky, Chris Townsend, uh, KMBR, I'm doing the Giants pregame show, love to have you, barrier legend. Ricky couldn't have been nicer. Ricky, I think we did like 15 minutes, and it just showed how approachable Ricky is and what a good dude he is. I'm telling you, whether seeing him with A's fans, whether seeing him with Raider fans – Ricky Henderson is just a super guy. Right now taking a picture with Donnie Baseball. See, they would have played New York together from 85 to 89. Yeah,
5: uh, that was Ricky when he was traded the first time for Eric uh, Plunk, then traded for Eric Plunk once again.
3: And something you got to uh, – there they are. Ricky and Donnie hugging. Donnie's going back over. Should I move the camera?
5: Uh, Can't really see anything right now. By the way, Donnie Baseball with a beard.
3: Yeah, you know you know what the thing is? You know what the thing is for, for a lot of our younger fans? You just know Donnie, Don Mattingly was a great player. And you know the legend of, of Don Mattingly. But for us that grew up in that era, Donnie Baseball was one of the gods of baseball. I mean, he was a premier. You know, there's certain players of that time that were the premier guys. One of them was the guy he played with, Ricky Anderson. Well, you think about guys like George Brett, Mike Schmidt, you know, these guys in the 80s, uh, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs. I mean, there are there are these guys that were just uh, Kirby Puckett, Ricky Henderson, Dave Winfield. I mean, they were the, the gods of the game, right? How you now look at Trout, Ohtani, you know, and all these, you know, not Fernando Tatis Jr. By yeah, the way. He's sorry, though. Fernando Tatis Jr. is still trying to play – this whole mistake, and uh, I it was—it was just a misjudgment, and um, and I had it.
5: You were telling me what that the. Oh, I have it on the athletic. What the anabolic thing is, or whatever yeah, the it was.
3: thing that he took—it's a steroid. It's like, why would you take this for ringworm? And no one's really pressing him on it. So, clostebol is how you say it. I—I'll take it. All right, clostebol. This is the definition, according to the athletic is a synthetic anabolic androgenic steroid. Anabolic androgenic steroid, most commonly known as anabolic steroids, are a class of synthetic steroid that essentially mimics the male sex hormone testosterone. Why does that seem like something I wouldn't be taking for ringworms?
5: What was the one a couple years ago? Was it Robinson Cano took the thing because he wanted to have children? Was it Cano that did that?
3: No, 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 no. That was was Manny Ramirez was taking the female hormone that was supposed to cover up for – I know but for steroids, but when you but women use it to help get pregnant, but if you take it it helps mask in the testing. See they have all this stuff that helps throw the scent off the testers that when you test for the steroid, if you have this other stuff in your body, it throws the it it it, it, it the steroid doesn't come up like it normally would. That's why you put it up. you put it in it's like a masking agent. Well this is not something that sounds like you just take for ringworm. Yeah, it's testosterone.
5: Weird. I swear I thought Kanoa used some excuse for that, like trying to have a, a child or something, and it would help. I don't. Know. I'd have to look it
3: oh, up. Oh, he might be oh, trying to help getting yes, his wife pregnant, yes. help helping uh, his sperm count or yes, whatever it is. Yes. So JPR and CBA is going to join us here. Are you going to tell him the Corex story? You yeah. Why don't we break? Coming up next, former catcher JPR and CBA. You remember he threw up a ton of jacks in his career for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now does television because he's from Miami, born and raised in Miami, Florida. So he now does TV for the Marlins. We got a lot to get into with him. JP next, right here on A's Cast Live.
0: AceCast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
3: Well, JP, I gotta tell you, uh, last time I think I talked to you, you were a Toronto Blue Jay. It's a long time ago. Back in the day. Yes, yeah, quite some time ago. How's everything going? Well, it's
7: it's good. I don't have to stand in the box and face guys throwing a hundred and ninety-four mile an hour change ups and sliders and, and walk back and get back to my hotel and look at the roof and think, will I ever get the hit again? So it's a lot easier from the booth, that's for sure.
3: And you don't have to take it off the chest and your knees oh, yeah. and your hands and your elbows. Well my knees
7: are my knees are
3: starting to bark now. It's kinda of, it kinda of stinks. After all the years of Yeah. People don't think of it. That's why we say all the time we got these like young The A's have a bazillion catchers in yeah. our system. And we're you're always like You may want to get a different glove because you might last longer. Well,
7: he's funny. I I was telling somebody a story. How many times in my career the old guys are stretching, older, and they're young, and they're like, ah, you're not stretching. One day you know what I'm talking about. And they're like, you know, it must be nice to be young. And then now I'm like, I'm wearing hokas. I got huge soles so that my feet don't hurt and my knees are banged up like I'll run, and then I'll I'll be in the booth and stand up to go to the bathroom like in between the game, and I'm like, goodness gracious, my <laughs> knees are killing me. Just, I'm like, I'm 36, but come on, take it easy. I, give me a little bit longer before they start to bark, but they are. That's part oh, of let it. Let
3: me tell you, you go out and play golf, and the next day you get out of bed, and you're like, oh, my God, my back. Well, oh, you, it's you know what's funny
7: about that? I just played 18 in L.A., and we had to walk because we're playing with some USC golfers. And you had to carry the bag? I had to carry my oh. bag. So here's – here's, my feet were hurting so bad. <laughs> and my knees were hurting so bad that we get to the 11th hole and I said, listen, I love golf. Not enough to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So call a cart. Yeah. And I got a cart. I was like, I'm not doing this. And literally, my feet were I – was, I, was, I love golf. And I was walking around and I was like, this stinks. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm good. So I – but that that just happened.
3: So the broadcasting, basically in your hometown, how's that been going?
7: It's been great. You know, it's crazy because I didn't play for the Marlins, but yeah. I grew up watching them. Uh, and I and I love as a catcher. You know, you can you can speak in so many different uh, you know spaces of the game: the bullpen, hitting, defense, pitching. You know, managing of, of trying to think with the manager, and so it's. I love teaching the game. I, I love really explaining to people. You know, why did he just throw this setup pitch to get to the next pitch? Why, you know, what was the pitch sequence? What did he do his last at-bat that now they change sequences? So, you know, that's the stuff that I really enjoy. And I love, you know, teaching people that are watching the game when I'm on the broadcast for TV. And then when I'm on radio, it's a lot of fun, too. You, you don't have the opportunity to teach as much, but it's fun to talk baseball for four
3: hours. When you were a kid, you watched our manager, Mark Conce. That's correct.
7: And all these guys. It's its crazy. Actually, I watched Mark Hotze and I was a huge fan. And then Ricky Henderson was here. And crazy enough, I was an A's fan growing up as a kid because Miami, Jose Canseco.
3: Oh, yeah. So that
7: was my connection. So here's this kid, Cuban, Cuban, from the same area. He went to a high school not far from my house. And then all of a sudden, he is in the big leagues doing his thing. And so I was an A's fan as a kid, which is crazy. And I had a poster up of Ricky Henderson in my room, and obviously I was a slow catcher, nothing comparable (laughs) in in our positions, but that was a guy I used to love watching.
3: Isn't it a trip when you get into this part of the business and you actually meet some of these guys who you did have a poster of? Like, to this day, I'm scared to death to interview George Brett because he was my favorite player, and I just – you just never know when you go up to your favorite player, wow. how the guy is going to be. You no, just no. never know. So I don't want
7: to meet your heroes. That time so though.
3: I've just, I, I've, I've, and I, they've offered him, and I went, nope, I just don't want to do it because I don't want to ruin it. Well,
7: I promise you, I can tell you this. I went to lunch with him, and you would love him. He is awesome. I went to lunch with him in Kansas City because Buck Martinez and him yeah. were boys, and we got to go to lunch, and he was a a plus dude. But I do know, I you meet people that you've had. You know, an affinity for you thought that you know this is a person that was like way up here, and then you meet them and they're a dud, and you're like, well, now I can't look at them the same.
3: Like right now, you, I mean, Ricky Anderson is right over here to our left. If you went up to any big league, G, you'd be like, oh man. yeah, that's it. I'd be, like, I'd,
7: I'd go back in time and take my poster off the wall. <laughs> like, that's it, beat it. I, like, oh, that's it. You're off. I, you have to be a good person. I don't care how good you are. You know this. Like yeah. you're, you're around enough guys. I, You're a great player and amazing, but if you're a good person, then that's when you're like, wow, I love that person. Like, I'm really a huge fan. If they're not, I'm like, you're out.
3: And one of those guys that everybody had his poster because he had the gangster poster back in the day was Don Mattingly. You guys are around him. I I mean, I don't even know if these guys really know, players for the Marlins, how good Don Mattingly was because he was like the elite player of his time. Uh, But what's it like, Don Mattingly, and seeing these young players and how they interact?
7: Uh, He's great, and honestly, you know this. I feel like guys that are Hall of Fame caliber, which he was, um, they tick different, right? They see the game differently. It's just the way it is. And so it's tough for a lot of – like they always say the best players are not the best coaches because they don't see it as most people do. But he's very relatable, and that's the one thing that has always stood out to me is that he speaks the same language as everybody. You know, sometimes I've even heard stories of Ricky Henderson of guys when he was the uh, the base running coordinator – of them saying, like, hey, watch this pitcher. Ready, ready, go. And the, and the guy's like, I, I don't see what you see, right? He's special. But when you can have a guy that's that special and be able to, you know, really talk on the same level and, and, and he, he is such a, like, humble guy, you would never know it, but pretty special to be around him.
3: You know, when I look at the Marlins' offense, it kind of equates to what's going on this month in baseball, right? So the Marlins have scored the least amount of runs since the All-Star break. We know about the streak, four runs or less, last 23. But in the baseball notes that came out today that this month, it's the second lowest slugging percentage since April. Runs per game, runs per nine since April. And home runs per at-bat, the highest since April. Well, April, we can always say, well, it's cold everywhere. That makes sense. Not August. So why? So what the hell's going on? Why, why are we not seeing offense?
7: Well, you know, I, I think that there's a, there's a few things to that. One, pitching has gotten incredible. I mean, we, you got to see yesterday, Edward Cabrera. He's throwing. He's averaging ninety two point nine miles an hour on his changeup, That's, which is which happen? is insane. Yeah. Right? You start to think about. We run out five guys. Sandy's throwing a hundred. Cabrera can ninety nine. Pablo Lopez up to 97, Lazardo up to 99. And then, all oh, you got a guy that he doesn't throw as hard at the time. And you're like, he throws 92, 93, which Braxton Garrity's been banged up. But you start to think about that, you're like, this is slow, 92, 93. So I think that pitching has gotten so good. And one thing I think, and I, I will say this, is for me, when I got to the big leagues, it was, it was about pound down, right? Fastball down, breaking ball, but everything was down. And what analytics has really taught and spin rate. I can move the baseball up in the zone. It's harder to hit up in the zone. And then now when I throw my breaking ball, it comes out of that same tunnel. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of things pitching has, has really taken a, a jump up and they're way better than hitting. Uh, I think part of it is approach thing as well. There's still there's you know, you don't see men on second base, a guy trying to like move the guy over anymore or little things like that. And, you know, you'll talk to guys. How many times have you seen uh, during the game the the MLB research tool that it's like 950 hit probability and it's just getting to the track? And so guys are saying, like, if I hit that ball 105 at this degree, why is it not a home run? So they'll tell you, you know, the ball is a little bit different. So I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I
3: love it, though. Bring it.
7: But that's, you know, that's, that's the humidor effect. I mean, that's what I that's what I see. I mean, that's what I see, again, and, and I will say this. Pitching is just ridiculous. I mean, it really – the guy yesterday that you guys threw, Alder, like, he's got a 6.5. He's throwing 93, 94 with good stuff. I mean, and that's considered like, oh, he's got a 6.5. It's a crazy game right now. The guys have gotten so good.
3: Well, what, what, what's so interesting is when launch, came, launch angle became the rage – and as you said, no one's looking to choke up with two strikes. No one's looking to hit a guy over. It's grip it and rip it time. To combat that, it's tough to have launch angle if the ball's up. And when you start looking over and you're looking at Verlander, well, that, that's been working for this guy. Yeah. Everything's When you start throwing 97, 98, 98, you can't, you can't launch that. No. It's like the pitcher's weapon. It's like now what do the hitters do to adjust back?
7: Well, it's tough. I mean, the, you try to stay on top of that baseball, but it's still not easy, right? It, it's it's not that easy to say just get on top of the baseball. Spin rate, when I played with the Rays, is when I really kind of understood what spin rate meant. You know, the ball doesn't drop as much as it would for the average spin rate guy. So if I'm swinging where I think, because our eyes can only adjust to what you think it's going to be, right? So you see a fastball nine out of ten times and it's in a certain spot, but that one time that guy has that high spin rate, it doesn't come down. I'm swinging to where I think that ball's going to be, and you know that's where again I think that analytics and all that stuff. I mean, you look at the catchers. When I was a catcher, I'd go over a game plan. Did you set this up, by the way? Huh? Did you set up the tractor coming by John Deere while we're talking? We got a big thing going on here. Come on, guys! You
3: get every you get everything here on Ace Gas Live. This is the only show in baseball that's right on the field.
7: Well, it is true. You I get everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, you get the tractor, John Deere. I don't know what well, he we has We got more track.
3: tractors coming. Are you kidding me? Oh, this my. is live. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This
7: is a race? You guys have a race going on here? <laughs> uh, no, but, you know, it's just crazy. You see, you know, I, again, I had a sky report, and I would, okay, hey, here's the A's. This is how we're going to approach them now. Guys have literally pictures of every batter, and it's like the zone, and here's where his fastball that he can't hit, and then here's where his breaking ball that he can't hit. I mean, and guys are good enough to execute, and it mean, makes it tough.
3: Do you think that pitchers may pitch too much to what they're saying about the batters versus not pitching to exactly what's best for you?
7: Well, there's a, there's a combination, right? I, I'm, I'm a firm believer, and I always I love boxing, and I always refer it to if I was boxing somebody, I'm going to throw my best punch because if I get knocked out because I was trying to use my third best punch, and that was his hole, Then I did myself a disservice. So it's a combination, right? I think analytics are phenomenal, but I think there's still the intangibles of did he just move up in the plate? Did that hitter just move back off the plate, right? Was he late on the fastball today? Maybe he's a good fastball hitter and it says, hey, spin him to death. But if he's late, you kind of make it, uh, you know, you kind of help him out by throwing him a breaking ball. So there's the intangibles of the information, and then there's the intangibles of the eyes and trusting your instincts that wait a second, this guy just backed off the plate. He's trying to give himself more space, and I know that it says to come in on him, but now that fastball way is open, right? So I think those are the little things that guys have to really learn, and, you know, it, it takes time. I think they take their lumps here in the big leagues because this is where you really learn.
3: So we have a young hotshot catcher that just got called up. He was part of the Matt Olson trade, Shay Langoliers mm-hmm. from – from Atlanta, and right now we already have Sean Murphy, established 27, in his prime, Gold Glover. What advice would you give Shea Langoliers who's not going to catch a lot, he's going to DH, he's going to be here for the rest of the year, he definitely is a big part of the future, but he's not going to catch a lot. What advice would you give to him?
7: I'd be a shadow. I mean, you're, Sean Murphy's arguably the best, one of the best offensive catchers, and obviously he won a Gold Glove. So, if he ate a certain way in pregame, I'd try to eat that way too. If I watched him work out, if I'd watch him take, you know, batting practice, I'd watch how he prepared. I'd I'd shadow everything that he did, because that's you know you you have to learn that way. I I truly believe in the minor leagues, most guys are talented enough to kind of blow through stuff. Well, here's where you get kind of exposed, and so if you can have those guys that you can learn from, I had Jose Molina was my backup my first year in the big leagues when I was starting. And so I got to watch him. When I got called up in September, John Buck was our guy, so I got to watch him. And so as a young guy, you really dial into these guys and ask as many questions as you can because you have a manager who raked, right, great hitter. You have Sean Murphy, who's, who's, I think, one of the best catchers in baseball right now, and he's a very, you know, good player himself. And he doesn't have to be Sean Murphy because he's not Sean Murphy. He is himself. He's Shea, And, and that's what he needs to understand but you still learn and you take from him what you can t- what you can get. And that's that would be my biggest thing. And don't be scared to fail because I, I just had this conversation with Nick Fortes. Everybody comes up and they think they have to, like, right away, if I don't do good, I'm not – pull up Mike Trout's September numbers. Pull up Aaron Judge's September numbers of their first year in the big leagues. Aaron Judge struck out 50% of his at-bats. And I know this off the top of my head because I had the conversation. He had 84 at bats. He struck out 42 times. Oof. And he hit, a, I think he hit, <laughs> I think he hit like a buck 90 or something like that. And Trout hit like 220. Yeah, it was a, yeah we saw it. And so it's like uh, these are two of the best in the game in history, possibly, but right now. And so, don't be short-sighted. It's really tough. We're always wanting to. If I make an adjustment in the cage, if I don't go two for four that day, I'm like, well, it didn't work. That's being short-sighted. You have to be able to really understand the process that it takes time and then that's how you learn is by you know taking your lumps
3: well that's the thing it's really it's it's easy for someone like me to say this going hey you have to learn to deal with failure but learning to deal with failure in a game of failure is hard especially you guys grow up being so successful
7: well and it's tough too because now you're kind of getting shot at by every you know possible avenue you have the paper media, right, that's asking you why you stink. You have TV that's showing you stink. You have Instagram that'll let you know that you stink. You have Twitter that'll let you know that you stink. So you have, and then you have fans. Yeah, Yeah, you have all these people that are blowing you up, and so then all of a sudden, and this is true because it happened to me, you end up going up to hit, and you're trying to hit against 500,000 people as opposed to face the guy that's on the mound, because I want to shut this person up, and I want to show this person, and uh, you said this about me, and all this stuff, and so it's tough. I mean, I always laugh because I'm like, these old school coaches are like, oh, I don't know why, guys. I'm like, listen, w- when you played, a lot of you guys had phone cards and you'd call your wife on the road and be like, hey, uh, we made it safe. See you later. And like, now that's not the case. There's all this t- different stuff coming at you that you didn't have to deal with. And some people can handle it and some people can't. And uh, again, I think that's another thing is, is you have to understand, like, it's okay. It's okay to stink first off none of those people matter right it's the guys here that matter the people that truly care about you none of those people that are telling you anything but it's okay to embarrass yourself and, and I always use this analogy is we watch highlights on a daily basis we watch the homer we watched the double but we watched the homer but we didn't see two pitches before he swung and missed at a curveball that hit in front of home plate and so you, you, put it in, you, you put this in your mind like, oh, you know, these, all these guys do is highlights. No, if you watch them play on a – Mike Trout swings and misses, you know, the best of the best. They, they make the fool of themselves at the plate, but those guys are able to not have it affect the next swing or the next pitch or the next at-bat or whatever it may be. That's the biggest difference of the guys that are great and people like me that had to get out of the game after my, you know, sixth season.
3: Well, I, and you make a very good point about a lot of the coaches. And even though we have some younger coaches, but still, social media wasn't how it is for these kids now. It's it's just a part of them. So you know, they have it's a part of their brand. It's a part of their identity since high school, since even junior high, whether you know. They may not do Facebook because, according to my kids, that's for old people. Well, yeah. But yeah, whether well, you have a Twitter account, Instagram account, and now fans can reach out to you. Forget just yelling at you from the stands; yeah. they can actually reach you on your accounts. I I, I can't imagine, but I, I I'm sure they have to say, "Get off those accounts, man! Oh, don't
7: read it." A hundred percent. And here's the thing: and I learned this because I used to I was one that was very active, and it's a, it's you put yourself out there. What I learned is I was a very I mean I'm sure that. It's it's safe. It's easy to see that I love talking and I was around yeah. people and I was I, I was always doing the community service and stuff like that. But you put yourself out there a lot in social media or whatever you, mean, you you're going to put yourself out there, but you're going to also welcome in the criticism, right? Because the more you put yourself out there, the bigger target you make yourself. And, you know, that was a big thing for me, so much so that I, I got so tired of Twitter that I was like, hey, I'm getting off Twitter. Well, the next day I had a message from my agent like, hey, you can't get off Twitter. And it was because one of the deals that I had was connected to my social media. So I had to do a certain amount of posts. So literally in Toronto, which was the silliest thing on the, I'm looking at the ticker and it's like JPR and C.B. getting off Twitter. And I'm like, this is a story. <laughs> but then I had to get back on and say that my agents were going to control my account because it was like, Hey, you can't do this because contractually, yeah. you have to post a certain amount of posts and all these different things. And so it's, like you said, it's part of the brand. It's part of everything, but, man, the least kind of negative stuff, because a lot of people say, like, it doesn't bother me. I've said, oh, yeah, it doesn't. We're human, right? At the end of the day, when people tell you you stink enough and they hope you die or all these different things, you're
3: like, it kind of stings a little bit. broadcasting has been huge for you, but have you thought about getting back in the dugout and maybe managing someday?
7: <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. A lot of people have told me that even when I got done playing, they said that you would be I'd be a great manager. And I think the only reason why that I, I know that I'd be a good manager is because I was a guy who was a, a great player and had a bobblehead, and I was a guy that was sent down, and I was a guy that was good and then stunk and had to fight my way back. And then really ultimately what ended my career was I dealt with anxiety and different things, and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm good. So I think now there's such a game plan for the game in the sense of front office and all that stuff managers biggest roles should be to communicate and that's all people ever want is to know where they stand and be honest and that's something that i think unfortunately sometimes as subtle as it may be people don't give it the the emphasis that it needs because it's like anything any young player i walked by my manager and he didn't say hi to me you walked by like why didn't he say hi to me like did i am i am i doing something wrong or i'm not in a lineup a certain day and it's like and as dumb as it seems, and it's like, oh, you're a professional. It's like, we're still human beings. And I, I love analogies. I'm a big like, I always tell people, business people, when I talk to them, like, imagine, you came to work on Monday and your desk was in one spot. Then on Tuesday you came and I moved your desk and I didn't tell you. Well, now on Wednesday you're gonna come and you're gonna be uncomfortable and like, hey, what's the deal? But if I know, hey, this is where my desk is Monday and here's my desk Tuesday or here's where it is every day, I come to work not worried about all this other stuff. I just come to work knowing what is expected of me and, and what I can expect to, to have an environment. And so that's where I think, you know, it's a big thing to
3: communicate. Well, how about this? How about your desk is in Oakland, and then the next day you show up it's in Vegas and AAA?
7: <laughs> not good.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. People don't get that. Don't like, and, then, and then all of a sudden your desk, right? Well, now we just traded you to Minnesota. Now yeah. you show up on Monday, but on Tuesday you're desk, you're desk in Minnesota.
7: And you're, and you're reeling, and it's like, and again, I think a lot of it tom- comes down to the conversations, right? Like a, a lot of times you don't know what they're doing. You don't know if they're going to send you down, they're going to keep you here, and you come to the field every day. Like if you're struggling, am I going to get sent down today? Is today the, the day I get sent down? And, you know, I've had this where hitting coach is walking towards me, and my heart rate gets high because I think – here it is. I'm going to the manager's office. I'm done. And they, hey, let's go look at video. And I was like, oh, oh, you know, it, it, yeah. it just that's the way that's it is. Tough. And it's not easy. And and again, that's where I think communication and different things. You're gonna have hard conversations. But at the end of the day, I, I, I respect Hein Bloom a lot. I was with Tampa at the end of my career. Played in the big leagues. The next year, I got was in AAA with them, and they called up Bobby Wilson, and I called him, and I was like, Bobby Wilson, no offense to Bobby Wilson, but I was like, dude. Bobby Wilson wouldn't have even scratched me as a player when I was doing my thing. I was leading the team in home runs in, RB, in, in AAA, all this stuff. And he's like, listen, man, the truth is, is we don't think that you're good enough to play defensively, and we'd rather have him play there because we prioritize our defense. And I was like, I hate you, but I respect <laughs> you. I respect you, though, because honest. you were honest with me. Yeah. And as long as I knew where I stood, that was it. So that's where I think the hard conversations, they're inevitable. They can be had. You just want to know where you stand, and I think you know that's that's why I say communication is so important because it's it's a tough game, and as much as they're grown-ups, your manager is still your superior. So if you swing at a 3-0 pitch and you, you take a bad swing and you pop up and you get out, you know you're upset, but if you come by the manager and he's like, hey, don't worry about it, I like that you're aggressive, whatever it may be that you want to say, next time that 3-0 pitch, he might let it fly and hit a home run, Whereas opposed to, if he gets that opportunity, he's got the green light. He's, like, oh, I don't want to mess up because I don't want to, I don't want to upset somebody, and that's not what it, it's already hard enough. You should be able to just focus on what you need to do.
3: I gotta tell you, I could talk to you all day, and I, I really appreciate the time you've given us. I, I wish we played the Marlins more, but you're the type of guy that just talking about the entire game. Like, keep your phone on and and rip rip Cody. But keep yeah. your phone on because uh, come playoff time, we're reaching out. I'd love to hear your analysis of what's going on in the postseason. Well,
7: listen, my number won't change. I'll Maybe for Cody, I'll put uh, like a restricted yeah. if it comes <laughs> up because I try to throw a joke out there, no response. Not Seriously,
3: either. Cody, no response? He, it's a joke.
5: I, I knew it was, but it was my fault for not responding. And I, like I told him before, JP, before he came on, I said, I appreciate the personality because you don't get a lot of that when you reach out to guests. It's either ho-hum yes or uh, uh, No.
3: Well, or no response. Why, that's why I like that you do radio because not all of your personality. You can be great on TV, but you can't do all of no. this on TV. Yeah, you can't have fun.
7: You can't have this. You can have fun, but you just can't have the conversations and tell the stories and laugh. And
3: I like to have fun. And what we hear, you guys are actually getting good ratings down there. Well,
7: you know what? I would like to say that some of the older ladies, fifty and up, I try to clean up well. You know, so. South
3: Beach hey south you're making south beach hey. to tune in at night
7: listen got the flower shirt going you put a tie on this bad boy and a sports coat you better watch out i mean i'm i'm getting married in october you know my fiance great woman tommy but <laughs> ratings so you up.
3: you go down to the clevelander and all the tvs are on you, oh. you know, what you're saying watch out i've done south beach <laughs> i know how i know how it rolls down there <laughs> hey great stuff we really appreciate this is the end of the show we tell we're this is the end of the show. This is it. All you're right. Like you're taking us out like a walk off.
7: Well, let's let's do it. How, however you have to go. Where's your where's your uh, your sponsorships and so what you had We had Joey say? Wendell, former A. You had Joey? Out. Oh yeah, Joey
3: was hey, he started a, with the what a. a gamer.
7: No no no, I know he I know I'm saying that you had Joey on the on the yeah he came over uh, yeah he's great.
3: Every we've had him every single time he's here whether it's been. For years with, with the Rays and now with the Mar- – we always – all former a+. A's always come on because there is something about it, and as a guy who grew up an A's fan, there's something about it that if you play here, this place is special to yeah. you.
7: Well, I tried to tell that to the other guys that played here yesterday and not many fans, and I was like, listen, I know that this is what it is, but when this place is rocking, it's kind of scary to play at, like as, an, as a visiting team. And also when you have to walk with the fans down into the dugout, and they're right there. Yeah, they're on top of you. Like,
3: yeah. hey, you okay? Like, take it easy. If these guys, if these guys, if if these guys think ah, they should have come to a Raider game. Oh yeah, that true. was no joke. Yeah, other teams were not happy. They when they came here, it was no joke. Uh, Shane Langilleers, great advice by you for Shane, and then of course you were here. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad that I was able to
7: make it. Was a long way from the uh, visitors dugout. Obviously, you guys have ton of foul territory here. So I had to, you know, my knees, I put a lot of effort to get over here. Next time
3: we'll get you a golf cart. Well, or a John Deere tractor, whichever one. Coming up next, A's and the Marlins right here on A's Cast.